0: So, we are getting into our last installment, part five. We'll come back to this again with season two, season three, season four. Maybe it's like Grey's Anatomy. We'll be doing season 38, you know, somewhere. I don't know. I don't even know what, what number of seasons that one. Um, but, but we've been taking a look at just some, some different elements of how we grow and strengthen and, and build community as followers of Jesus, um, Not only as followers of Jesus, also as we, as we grow in relationships with others, but, but if there isn't a health within the family of God, it's gonna be very difficult for there to be a health, I think, in relationships with people that are not sharing the same compass, the, shame, the same foundation that you have. And, and one of the key thoughts for me that, that constantly comes back to my mind is that if the way I'm spending time with God is not changing the way I spend time with people, I need to change the way I spend time with God. The way I spend time with God over a period of time should affect the way I spend time with people. In other words, God's love for me, God's, God's challenging of my heart, God God giving me security and identity, God, God reminding me of his grace and mercy and patience should affect how I'm gracious and merciful to others, how I'm patient and kind to others, how I'm less easily offended, less easily irritated. The way we spend time with God should positively affect the way that we spend time with people. It is possible. Maybe you've been around church long enough. Maybe this is true of you. Where maybe you've been following Jesus for 20 years and there's fruits of that. Like, like you've you are a 20-year-old Christian. You are you've continued to grow and mature. Then, of course, there are others of us that have been on that journey for 20 years, but we're actually a one-year-old Christian 20 years over. In other words, at no point have we actually allowed God to touch. The deeper parts of our lives, to touch our security, identity, um, our temper, our, our generosity. Um, and that is God's, that's God's plan for us, by the way. God's plan, it, it starts with salvation, where we have this free gift of forgiveness. Like, that's the beginning. That is not the end. What God wants to continue to do in us is bring us to increased health and wholeness in every area of our lives, and nowhere should that show more fruit than in our relationships. Nowhere should that show more fruit than in our relationships. Nowhere should the the evidence of God affecting us have more more examples, more fruit than in how we relate to other people. Now, if you're like me, you might think, Jason, that's great in theory, but have you met the church? Have you met Christians? Because we're a mess, and I would say, I agree. I think that we are a messy bunch. We as in we and we as in the capital we, like the capital C church. There, there is so much imperfection. There is so much mess. I, I'm, I'm actually at a point where I'm getting less and less surprised at some of the mess. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But there is mess. And it reminds me of Henry Nouwen's statement that the church will never cease to get in the way of Jesus. But it will also never cease to be the way of Jesus. In other words, with all of our mess, with all of our imperfections, with all of our immaturity, with, 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 with all of the things that we're still working through, there has to be a commitment. There has to be a devotion. Some would even argue like a level of covenant of, no, I'm, I'm going to get planted. I'm going to stay. We're gonna, I'm going to grow. I'm going to I'm learn to cope with different people. I'm going to learn to work things out. And so what I'm wanting to address this morning, very briefly, is the idea of encouragement, or more specifically, to to use a different term for the word encouragement, that is to build up. The reason why I've chosen to do that is because up until recently, the word for me was encourage, encourage, encourage. But then I realized how easy it is for us to limit encouragement to maybe just saying some nice stuff, in some cases blowing smoke, um, maybe flattering. But, but a lot of the time when we think of encouragement, we'll often think of words. And I want to encourage you to think way broader and way deeper than that. So it's not less than that. It's not less than words. It's not less than speaking life, speaking truth, affirming one another. But it's actually a lot deeper, and it's a lot broader. And by the way, even you get to play. So with your personality, with your experiences, whatever the case is, you get to be a part of this. Ephesians 4 verse 29, by the way, Ephesians 4 as a chapter is a chapter worth meditating on over and over and over and over again. I can't, I can't believe how many times I've read it over the years and missed certain key themes. Now I can't read it and not see God's, God's burden for unity, maturity, growth, where we help one another, bring out the best in one another, and together as a family of believers, actually grow and mature. And that's where we get the statement from, that division is not just the absence of, or or, or unity is not the absence of division. It's the presence of maturity. We we actually should be maturing and growing if we are loving each other the way that God wants us to. So, chapter 4, verse 29 says, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them so words play a role our our words create the worlds that we live in some have said yeah. and i and i would say that i tend to agree with that over An extended period of time like we can either speak life into people over time or we can speak death into people over time it's very hard not to be discouraged when you're when you're receiving a similar narrative a similar message over time and similarly it's hard to compromise and to be complacent when you're constantly being reminded of purpose and destiny and identity in fact the author of proverbs 18 puts it this way verse 21 the tongue has the power of life and death or in the NLT, it says it this way, the tongue can bring death or life. Yeah. Now, that's not a doctrinal statement. Don't panic that if you've ever said one thing wrong, you've killed somebody. No, no, I, the book of Proverbs is, is not, a, it's not, a, it's not a doctrinal book. It is a book of wisdom. Yeah. And so wisdom tells us that over time, over the long course of history, your words will make a difference. How you speak to people, what you say, most of us, I imagine, if we were asked to pause for, for a moment and to think back to some destructive things that we said, some of, most of us, I imagine, would be able to remember things that were said in some cases decades ago. You could be in your 60s or 70s and still remember some of the stuff that your father or mother or a teacher or a family member said to you 50 or 60 years ago because they have power. There's something attached. So, so let's guard that. Let's guard that power. In the NIV... It puts that verse this way, Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. I want you to think in the context of building up, And, and I want you to allow the idea to sink in that we can either build up or we can break down. We can build up, we can break down. Whether it's the way we speak to people or whether it's the way we speak about people. How many of you know that things that get said secondhand to someone, so when there's gossiping, can actually have even more of an effect on you than than someone just being nasty to you in a moment? You You mean like they're thinking about me enough to actually say that about me behind my back to this person? And conversely, for someone to compliment you behind your back, it's kind of like it just doubles. It's like, whoa, what? There we, are, there we are. They said, what about me? You know, you try fake or like, oh, that's cool. Like, wait, what? You know, you just, you want to lean in a little bit more. So whether it's direct or whether it's secondhand, man, it, it makes a difference. Let's build each other up. The word encourage that we see in some of our English translations is actually the Greek New Testament word oikodome. And it literally means the act of building or building up. So it's either a building or it's building up. It's to edify or edification, which is the same as building or building up. It's the act of one who promotes another's growth in Christian wisdom, piety, happiness, and holiness. Think about that. Think about that. Encouragement is so much more than just, hey, you're a good guy. Hey, you're nice. Hey, thanks for helping out. It's, no, no. Am I actually building someone else up in Christian wisdom, piety, happiness, and holiness? In fact, Strong's Concordance goes on to say that it's, Developing another person's life through acts and words of love and encouragement. Acts and words. So it's not just words. It's also acts of love and encouragement. It makes sense that to encourage means to give courage, right? When someone is feeling discouraged, when they're feeling, when they're feeling like maybe... Maybe they were wrong, maybe they shouldn't persevere in this relationship that they, you know, maybe they're married, or maybe they, maybe they, 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 they feel like giving up in serving in a particular ministry, or maybe they're, giving, maybe they're tempted to give up in serving God. They are discouraged. So to encourage means to give courage. That Greek New Testament word, oikodome, means to build up. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for encourage is hazak. So Greek is like, oikodome. And the Hebrew word is hazak. It's kind of like they both sound like, like martial arts types, types of terms. So in the New Testament, it directly means to build up. And in the Old Testament, the word means to strengthen, to give strength. How many of us need strength? I would argue every one of us at different times. Every single one of us needs strength. The power of life and death. Again, in Ephesians 4, verse 12, it says, this is referring to Christian leaders, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. We, man, we need to be building each other up. We we settle for way too superficial a faith if we think, ah, it's just, you know, Christianity is about, let me attend, let me give, let me even do my duty and serve a little bit. That life group thing, fine, 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 I'll go. No, that, like, maybe those, hopefully those are means that help get to an end, but the end is to build one another up. It's to be strengthening. It's to be iron sharpening iron. Verse 15 and 16, it says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will, notice, the, notice these key words, grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who, has, who is the head. That is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up. There's that word oikodome builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Which I think begs the question if each part's not doing its work, is it being built up? If you're good at math, you'll figure that out very quickly. The word that we so often translate as encourage is actually an architectural term that is referring to building, brick upon brick, word upon word, action upon action, where we are building one another up. And not just in a church context, no. Our, our relationships should be better because of a local community, a local church community. Our, our relationships at work, our relationships at school, our relationships with, with extended family should be stronger and healthier and better because we are building one another up and of course when you're building it's not always comfortable sometimes there's the digging of a foundation sometimes there's the laying of a foundation sometimes there's bricks there's weight there's if if iron sharpening iron is not comfortable it's friction right I believe that we need to grow in maturity in our understanding of what brings growth. It's not only going to be pleasant, comfortable things. I have grown at different times of the years when people have had tough conversations with me, when people have corrected me, or rebuked me, or criticized me, or challenged my stuff, And, and it hasn't all been right or accurate, but a lot of it has been, and as I've tried to hear and discern like some muscle gets developed obviously not literally anymore but but like you know metaphorically spiritually so so let's let's not let's not settle for a sentimentalized superficial spirituality it is not just warm and fuzzies sometimes If it's loving someone enough, if you're a brother and you love your brother enough, or you're a parent and you love your child enough, or it's loving one another enough sometimes to speak the truth in love. But it's truth and love. It's not always going to be comfortable. That's okay. So three quick ways, just just high-level principles in terms of how we can actually build people up, how, how we can encourage people towards God's purposes. Number one is our identity in God. In other words, if we're not just trying to flatter, if we're not just, just trying to, to, to blow smoke, but, but we actually want to build one another up, so much of it comes back to our identity in God. Hey, you are loved by God, man. Yeah, but I've, and you don't know, yeah, yeah, but you're loved by God. God doesn't love you any less. Nothing you do can make God love you anymore. You are loved by God. You are seen by God. You are wanted by God. You are pursued by God. You matter to God. You are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that He planned in advance for you to walk in. Your parents didn't plan you. God planned you. Our identity in God. Reminding people of His love. Reminding people of the cross. The price that Jesus paid for us. Our identity in God. Number two is to encourage people in our, their commitment to God's purposes. We are not being kind to one another. We are not loving one another well if we, if we feed a self-centered life. If, if, we, if we agree with the narrative that, that your life is just about you, as long as you're comfortable, as long as you're happy, as long as you're healthy and wealthy. No, no. This, this is a short, temporary life. What you do matters. God, God didn't, pur- Jesus didn't purchase you with his blood just to, just to be happy and safe. I mean, he might want that, but what if he doesn't want that? What if, what if he has a purpose for you that's far more significant than just happy and safe and comfortable? You can't read the New Testament and think that to follow Jesus was just happy and comfortable. And I wonder, I can't help sensing that sometimes we settle for a secular yeah. description of meaning, yeah. where where we water it down, we say, you know what, basically we're saying your life doesn't actually mean that much. God's purpose isn't that important. Of course it's important. If God's done with you, you'd be dead. If you're alive, if you're breathing, that means that God has a plan. And, and by the way, I think that our single biggest, the single biggest strategy of our spiritual enemy is simply distraction. If he can just distract you, if he can just keep you from God's purposes, if he can keep you from God, from your identity in God. So, so is building each other up and encouraging each other just, just the occasional nice, hey, good to see you. Hey, you're looking pretty today. Hey, you're looking good. Hey, we lost some weight. Joking, I was lying, you don't. Know. you know, what, what? Is is that it? Is that that our levels of encouragement? Or is it to build one another up in our identity in God, in our purpose in God? And then number three, to encourage people towards an eternal perspective. I'm not getting to all the scriptures. If you're on version, save the notes, go back to them. But we want to encourage people towards an eternal perspective. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 18, Paul is writing to a bunch of, Jesus follows and he says, so encourage each other with these words. Build each other up with these words. Strengthen each other with these words. The words he's referring to, if you go and read the full chapter of 1 Thessalonians 4, is all about eternity. This life is not all there is to life. Yes, it might, if hey, if God's calling you to sacrifice, it's worth obeying God, because this life's not all there is to life. If God's calling you to put on a bigger jacket, to stretch out of your comfort zone, to do something you've never done before, to try and love someone like you've never loved before, you know what? If you think that's God, what have you got to lose? Eternity matters. Come on, man. Let's encourage each other towards an eternal perspective, to encourage one another to persevere. We're going to show a testimony that we didn't have the time to show last week, and it actually worked out perfectly, because I thought it would fit in so well with this message. And I want you to listen to some of the comments made. This is by Ellen and Mariah, 20 and 17 years old. I want you to listen out for where they make reference to feeling a little bit discouraged, wanting to quit, being reminded, being encouraged. Eternity matters. God's purposes matter. Our identity in God matters. Let's take a look at the screens.
1: Hi, I'm Mariah, and I'm 17.
2: Hi, I'm Ella, and I'm 20, and we are sisters. Yeah, Legacy has
1: helped me a lot. Legacy Church has been a very Great chapter in my life. Um, last year we joined the church when we just like moved back from Angola, and it was like everything was like new, and it's like adjusting to new culture and to new people. And why do you sound like that? You don't have a South African accent, you know. It was like a very difficult thing, and I just think that being a part of Legacy Church was very helpful. Um, also, being that I've never I've never had a close relationship with God. It was always that thing of like, my mom's forcing me to wake up early on Sunday to go to church, you know, like I have to go to church. But like now it's like, I need to go to church. Like I can't start my week off without being in church on that Sunday morning, even if it's for one service or not. Like even if it's just serving a kid's church. Um, I think that being in Legacy Church has taught me a lot. Um, I have grown a lot. for those who don't know, I was a very, like, shy-to-myself person. Um, i dealt with, like, a lot of anxiety through the past years, last year especially. And I think this year has just, like, shown me, and God has put people in my life who have helped me overcome that. Um, one of them being, as you guys know, Mithle. Um, She's a very loud person
2: and I'm a very shy person.
1: So it was like, oh, Mariah, just get over it. (laughs) You know, I can't get out of this now.
2: This year has been a rough year for, I would say, my family in general, not just for myself. Um, I went through so much this year. Um, It started out with my mom losing a job and finances getting tight. later on went to not seeing my dad for over half a year and it just kept pushing and pushing into other stresses um like my mom having to leave to be able to sustain us and me automatically having to own up the responsibility of being not just an older sister but a nanny a mother a father um And just in general a teacher to my siblings I had to step up in so many ways Um, I felt very alone Um, I became very depressed Um, I felt very ill very sick and I was keeping it all to myself because I didn't really know what else to do I didn't really know where else to go and through everything that I was experiencing, through everything that my family was experiencing, the, the Lord placed me here so that my legacy family could actually see me, see who I am. And they stepped in, they stepped up, and they were just there for me. They were truly there for me. they, when I was sick, they saw me and they helped me. They helped me emotionally. They helped me financially when my family couldn't. They were just there. When we lost our house, they took me in. Tammy and Reese were there for me, took us in. Not just me, but my two sisters as well. Um, I received so much support from Owen and from Ryan, just emotionally and advising me and walking with me. I received so much guidance from two, from Tammy and Reza, They were always speaking life into me. It's been a journey. It's been so, so hard. And I've really thought of giving up multiple times. Multiple times I decided, you know what, let me quit. But. They all came and they sat with me and they walked with me. They never let me give up on this year, not just in terms of work, but in terms of my spirituality, in terms of my heart, in terms of the love that I have to give out. They kept on supporting me. They kept me afloat when I was drowning, honestly. I saw Jesus in my legacy family. They loved me, they cared for me. They walked with me, they walked for me. They were just constantly there.
1: One thing that has helped me get through this year as well was Stand Camp. I think that was the first time where I actually encountered God, like just me and him right there in that encounter room. Like Stand Camp was, it was it for me. It was eye opening, it was, it truly showed me who God is and what he can do because as Elis said this year wasn't like easy for us and it was like hard to get through sometimes it still is but that's where I just see everyone from Legacy Church coming in and like helping you get through this asking how are you you know and not just like always like saying hey I'm here for you but actually showing that they're here for you like especially with my life group my circles, like I get home after like Novo and I get a message from somewhere, like, hey, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm good with um, my pastors as well. Like, Aunt Sue has been there for me, Aunt Tammy has been there for me. Um, she took us in for quite some time, um, it was a lovely experience. Um, I'm still asked to bake a lot for them, <laughs> um, but yeah, I just think I have grown. Into someone that if you would have told me I would have been like this last year, I would have not believed you. I would have been like, me? Are you mad? Front row worshipping? What? Um, But I am that person now and I am proud to be that person even though sometimes I'm still like a bit hesitant. But I am proud that I have grown to become this person and to be in this church. Like... If you would have told me to choose any other i would have still chosen legacy church because the people that are in this church are genuine and are real and authentic one of the things that legacy church has taught me this year has been to see um happiness in the small things um life gets hectic that's just life you know you have to just deal with it but seeing like the little small things, like the little drum sessions I have with Owen, or like just sitting in his office with Ryan and talking while I'm like banking school because I'm online, <laughs> or like um, just like worship, or sometimes just being with Mimi and having a little Bible session and just like playing worship music for like two hours. <laughs> I think just seeing the small things and being grateful and happy, like food, a roof it's like the little things that bring happiness to me and it has taught me to be so grateful this year because I mean that's all you can do and give thanks to God being in legacy also has um, grown my relationship and my faith with God tremendously there's no way I can explain it Um, I don't think there's a word I could use to describe it right now I'm not Oxford (laughs) Um, but it has helped me so much to get closer to God like it's crazy how close I've gotten to God in the span of like nine months Um, I don't know I I don't know what to say but it's like it is possible like I've gotten so close to him with um, Stan camp um, holiday club and just being here and serving every Sunday it's amazing it's life-giving that's what I'll say
0: I hope that you were able to notice the different examples given. It wasn't just one thing. It wasn't just people that, that were kind verbally. It wasn't just people that were kind in opening the home. It, 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 was, it was actually quite a, quite a well-rounded example of how people can build one another up. When I was trying to think of just like practically, how do we, like what are some reference points for us when it comes to this idea and the best I could think of was the five love languages because I think that we're so tempted to, to think that encouragement looks like one thing. It's one type of personality. So, so for me, it's not hard to be verbal. It's not hard for me to express positive things to someone, but, but, but for a lot of other people, that is so uncomfortable, that's so unnatural, but they're great at doing something. things, like an act of service or, or maybe giving something. I think back to times where the girls were looking for accommodation and how different people would drive them to viewings of apartments. Uh, when Ella was sick, taking her to the hospital, uh, to the doctor, taking her to the pharmacy. Um, Reese and, and Tammy taking, taking them in. As I mentioned in the first service, Reese was there. then. Uh, I mean, Tammy would be someone where it's a little bit easier to see some of that stuff. Reese is a far quieter, less demonstrative person. But what an act... Of kindness, to open your home up. You've got three kids already, one bathroom. Like I think that's I think that's encouraging. I think that builds people up. Where where wait? Like they were willing to do this. Maybe maybe we do mean something. So I want you just to think through those. Those of you that are unfamiliar with it, the words will be up on the screen. The five love languages have been argued so in terms of how we express and receive love. Words of affirmation, service, gifts, time, and affection. The words part, I think, is pretty obvious, where we, where we look out for things that we can actually encourage someone towards in terms of who they are, what they're good at, where they, where they bring value to a team or to an environment. Um, I, think, I, think that that's, I think that that's quite, quite a significant Form of encouragement. But I also think that acts of service, whether you are literally helping someone lighten their load, driving someone to an appointment, um, or, just, or just bringing a meal when, when someone's sick, or just, just, there's so many different ways to encourage, to build up, to strengthen through an act of service. And one of them, by the way, I think is prayer. See, we, we, we might undervalue prayer because it's not as physical, tangible, measurable. But, is there anything more encouraging than knowing that someone's actually praying for you? And especially if they're like saying, hey man, I've be, already been thinking about you a lot, had you in my heart, praying for you, and maybe you're even mentioning some of the things that you're praying for. That's encouraging. That builds a person up, regardless of personality. Gifts, where, where maybe you don't have money, but you write a card, or you, or you I don't know, maybe you pick a flower, D- don't do it illegally. Um... Or maybe you actually think of someone and you, and you notice something that you know that they'll appreciate and you're able to buy that for them and give that to them. The, the idea behind a gift is not so much the gift itself or even the value of the gift, it's the, it's the thoughtfulness behind it. A friend, some friends gave Sue and I, me it was like a little battery pack for my phone and her some perfume a few months back. And, and it, it was so weird to me that there was no reason for it. Like I wanted to figure this out. I wanted to compute. It was just an act of kindness. It was just... A gift. Time is an enormous encouragement when someone's willing to actually pay attention, without their device in front of them, without interrupting you. Oh, yeah, yeah, that happened. Oh, yeah, 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 that happened to me too. Yeah, yeah, you say, I was feel sick actually. now that you mentioned. You know, where they don't make it about them, but where they listen to you. Maybe as a parent is taking your child somewhere that matters to them. Maybe finances are tight, and so it's just finding the cheapest ice cream that you can, or it's, or it's playing Lego with them, or it's taking them to the park, or, I mean, these are all age-appropriate things as your, as your kids are older. It's, it's anything that shows time. I can remember, and this, this should tell you something, I can remember roughly 30 years ago. I can remember where I was driving with my dad I can remember where we were driving from. I think it was from Brackenfell and we were going to the Good Hope Center. They had a convention there. I think it was like some like, weird Microsoft, like, I don't know, Windows 94 or something. That's how long ago it was. Now, I couldn't, have, I couldn't care less about computers. Seriously, like, like that, that meant nothing to me. But I can remember feeling like my dad wants me around. That, that was it, just, oh, like he wants me around. It was just time. There was, there was nothing else to it. So it could be time that you give to someone. And then don't underestimate the power of affection. I'm very aware that we have to be very careful and appropriate. But there is something very, very, very deeply life-giving and valuable to appropriate affection. And, and that is oh man, I just feel like we're in a catch-22 in this moment in history where so much has gone wrong and there's been so much abuse, which I think, of course, is always the enemy's plan to take something that's meant to be healthy and to misuse and abuse it. And so it's correct. The things we have in place, they're right, they should be there. But there's a part of me that worries that children are growing up without ever having anybody putting a loving hand onto their shoulder. Where, where, where people feel nervous about giving an appropriate hug. And again, for good reason. There is something to be said for appropriate affection. There's something about that that can build someone up. I mentioned this in the first service and then a guy came to me afterwards who I'd given a hug to before the service. He, he'd apologized to me for something, nothing major. I, I gave him some money, he lied about it and he couldn't sleep this week so he came back to tell me I'm really sorry I I, I lied about it this is what I did with it I'm like thank you thanks for sharing I gave him a hug and he kind of like just just stood there 64 years old comes to me after the first service and says Jason I'm sorry that I didn't respond I've never ever had another man hug me before And by the way, this man has battled drug addiction since the age of 14, so 50 years. Is it possible that, I mean, I, I don't want to oversimplify, please, 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 don't, don't miss what I'm saying. But is it possible that for someone who says, my dad never hugged me, my mom never hugged me, I've never had another man show, show affection. I, I mean, I'm just saying, Like that's, that's not a life that is building up. I'm not saying that that should lead to, to a battle with addiction. 64, you've never ever had another man give you a hug? And I, and I don't think that he would be alone by any means. I had someone else years ago tell me about how, how affectionately starved he was. And I knew his story, so I knew what he was saying. And he wasn't exaggerating. And he said to me that like it was actually a temptation to hire a prostitute just to hold him. Now listen to the message beneath the message. If if your first thought is, oh, that's gross, you're missing the message. You're missing it completely. Guys, we live in a messed up world. GK Chesterton said that the man knocking on the door of a brothel is looking for God. Think about that for a moment. The man shooting up for 50 years, he's looking for God. The person going from marriage to marriage to marriage, he's looking for God. The person going from church to church to church, he's looking for God. People need to be pulled up. People need to be strengthened. People need to be loved well. Words of affirmation, acts of service, quality time gifts affection where we speak in some way or another life into their identity in God God's purposes for them and where we encourage an eternal perspective one of the reasons that in fact the only reason that I asked Pedro to be with us today is because he's been that gift to me they have been different people over the years for, in, in different ways But I don't know, and I'm very careful, I want to be very careful not to exaggerate this and not to over-dramatize it. But I don't know that I'd be standing here today leading a church, still in the ministry after 27 years, if it wasn't for Pedro. He has encouraged me. He has built me up. He has strengthened me. He's created a very safe place to be real, to be normal, to be a person. Not a pastor, a person. Not a pastor, a son of God. No one, no one, this this is not an exaggeration. No one has come close to reminding me as much of the love of God as what he has. I'll try and want to talk about him. I mean, Pedro's gone through his own challenges during the same time. Brutal cancer, family members murdered, like just all kinds of stuff. I can hardly get him to talk about himself because I prefer that. He's like, Jason, how you doing? I'm praying for you. It, I think there's hardly a week in the last eight years where I don't get a phone call or a message and we, or we don't meet up because Pedro's thinking about you, praying for me. We need one another. We need to build one another up. And I don't wanna take that for granted. So I'm asking you to show some appreciation today for Pedro Erasmus and the blessing and encouragement that he has been to me over the last eight years. I speak to lots of different pastors. I'm saying, I'm saying if they need encouragement, I imagine that many people in our churches need encouragement. If they're thinking of quitting and they're, and, and they're discouraged, I imagine that there are a lot of people that are discouraged. It doesn't take a lot of discipline to identify weaknesses and failures and shortcomings in other people. It takes way more discipline to recognize God in people, to recognize God's purposes for people, to recognize God's fingerprint on people, to recognize God's identity for that person, his plan for that person. Oh man, it's worth, it's worth the effort. Let's be people that build one another up. Let's be people that strengthen one another. Where we don't shoot the wounded, where we don't kick people while they're down. Are you mad? (laughs) Like, that's not the kingdom. It should be different should be different, it should be deeper, it should be wider than anything that the world can offer people because we have a different perspective because we have one whose love we could never earn he could, we could never make him love us more he has created us with a purpose and an identity no one can compensate for that and the fact that we're not home yet, that this is a temporary residence, that we get to live for eternity that just, that just changes everything that just changes everything. In your lowest moments, in your most painful valleys, in your most uncertain you know, seasons of mystery, it just gives perspective and people need encouragement. I love the story of Ella and Mariah only because I've seen some of it up close. And, and we, everything is great in theory, but I've seen people love and serve and support and build up and strengthen. And, and here's my encouragement to you. Please fight the temptation to feed the thought, yeah, that'd be nice to have. Yeah, why, why doesn't anyone do that for me? You have no control over other people. You only have control over yourself. The only person who you can control, encouraging, building up and strengthening is you, where you do that to others. Amen. And here's my encouragement. The Bible doesn't promise us that you'll reap where you sow. Galatians 4 verse 7 promises us that we will reap what we sow. You encourage others, I'm telling you when you need it, God will encourage you. And I want to encourage you in case you're thinking, no one's ever encouraged me in my life, I would would suggest that you just, just sit with that question a little bit longer, because maybe people haven't encouraged you in the traditional sense. Maybe they haven't Maybe they haven't made you feel great, you know, warm and fuzzy in a moment, but it's possible that that people have actually tried to encourage you in terms of loving you well, trying to direct and give perspective. Does that make sense? Come on. Why don't you stand up with me? I wanna pray for us and then, in fact, while we're doing this, those of you that are getting baptized, I'm gonna ask you to actually make your way to the bathrooms already, extreme left of the side of the hall over there. You can go and get dressed so that we're ready for you straight after this, but For those of you that are remaining, can I ask you just to close your eyes for a few moments? Close your eyes. And if you're willing to do this, just open your hands up, just as a posture of surrender. I didn't do this in the first service, but I felt like like there are some people that even if you're not being encouraged by someone else right now, you can encourage yourself in the Lord. David at Ziklag, had everybody abandon him and he had to strengthen himself in the Lord. He had to allow God, I'm telling you, people may let you down. God will not let you down. How much did we sing about his faithfulness this morning? People may not love you the way that, that you deserve. People may not do for you what, what would be life-giving and uplifting and strengthening. But there is one who sticks closer than a brother. There is one who sees you in the valley. There is one who sees what you are one step away from doing. There is one who I think would be calling out to you, whispering to you, inviting you, drawing you, saying, people have let you down, yes. Not even debating that, I think God would say. But I have never let you down. I have pursued you and I'm still pursuing you and it is with a relentless love. Can you allow yourself to be encouraged in the Lord? Speak words of life over your own life. Remind yourself of the identity that you have in God for yourself. Remind yourself that you are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Remind yourself that you are a product of God's imagination. Remind yourself that He knitted you together Remind yourself that that even in the darkest valley, you are not alone, for He is with you. His rod and His staff, they comfort you. They protect you. They guide you. Remind yourself that He prepares a table in the presence of your spiritual enemies and that His goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life, that He is your shepherd and that you have everything you need